Hello and welcome to the Earthly Roots podcast where we chat all things gardening, homesteading and connecting to nature. We're your hosts Diane and Robin. The Earthly Roots podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Hello and welcome back to another episode. We are here all nice and cosy with our cups of chicory tea today. Yes. Nice fairy lights in the background. Delicious. A uh, lovely alternative to coffee, you say? Yeah, I'm trying to give up, well not give up completely, just have one cup of coffee a day rather than two. And uh, yeah, chicory tea is a nice uh, substitute for that. Yeah, it becomes a bit of a habit after being in the garden all day and being quite tired. A second yeah. coffee just hits the spot. So I like this. Yeah, I get a bit addicted to to coffee. I just like the taste as well. It's nice and comforting and cozy and yeah. yeah. Oh well, it's been a uh, really nice day here. Yeah. Been out in the garden, taking some photos yep. and doing things like that. But um let's get right into it. Yeah. Today um we're going to talk about our why. Why we started gardening or homesteading. Um what got us into it? What got us inspired? Uh because, yeah, I we've been gardening, Sam and I, for two years now. And before that, hardly had a garden or anything growing. So even though it's been a short, sweet time, uh, there's been a lot of changes. Um, and I'm sure that could be similar for you, but I think you've gardened yeah. a bit longer. Yeah, well, I feel like I haven't been growing for that long. I think maybe about four years proper, properly growing, but nothing compared to what I'm doing right now. I feel like each year it's kind of exponentially growing as as I learn more and I kind of get exposed to to what other people are doing to find inspiration and just learn more myself. But yeah, I did not start out growing this much food or flowers. I had like maybe one or two containers of herbs. Yeah. yeah. So herbs, that's what you yeah. started with? Yeah. yeah like I remember in university, I I mean, I always love nature and I love learning about it. And I was kind of craving some greenery because we lived in Brisbane, mm-hmm. right in the suburbs or kind of towards near the city. So there wasn't a lot of greenery. But uh, yeah, I just find herbs were, were a good place to start because I could move them around as we moved houses like every year, as you do in university, changing housemates and Things like that, but did you have yeah. housemates? Yeah, I went through quite a lot actually. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, just sorry. <laughs> no, with people like moving and yeah, it's just kind of like an evolving thing when you're in uni, or I feel like that was my my experience. But I remember quite a few of them were also really into plants. Yeah. So we had like a little balcony garden of just yeah herbs and lettuce and greens and. It was a good good place things. to start. Yeah. yeah. We um one of our housemates or our previous housemates and one of Sam's best friends, um, he was right into gardening. So anytime oh, cool. he comes over now to our property, we're always just wa- walking through the forest, just chatting trees yeah. and plants and yeah, it's really nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like 
lately, I mean, with, I mean, you have a massive garden as well. I feel like, Is it? yeah, I, you're growing quite a lot. I mean, your late, your last video of you planting all of the beds, like there's a lot, there's there a lot of beds. There is a lot, yeah. I yeah. mean, it didn't start out that way though. Um, similar to you, we started with a very small garden patch. We did try to grow in the suburbs, which didn't end well for us. No. Supposedly, Sam said we grew cucumbers. Um, I have no recollection of them. All I remember is herbs suffocated by grass. Oh, yeah. So as soon as we got out here um, planting my first garden beds, that was exciting. Mm. Um, I think we started with one, then we added two more, and then as we got confident, we added yeah. in the big garden beds. Um, yeah, yeah, I think once you get the bug – like mm-hmm. once you get your hands into the dirt and you really feel the satisfaction of growing something from seed to harvest, it's hard to go any smaller. Yeah. Do you think just like the size increase of the land that you were on made made it made it easier or the transition from the city to, to you know, the country, more. is that kind of what sparked more of the desire to grow more? Because you don't have to grow more if you're no, of the country, course not. But yeah. yeah. I think it was more so, I mean, we got into gardening and growing our own food to be in control of what we eat. Um, we mm-hmm. found that the food system was really broken um, and there was a lot of a lack of control knowing what was in our food, um, especially with meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kasim and I are meat eaters. And I feel like it's not necessarily that we need to grow a lot more with more land. It's more so that I enjoy growing as much as I can. It's almost like a mm. challenge every year to beat what yeah. I did in the past. Cool. Um, and when you watch when you watch other YouTubers and people on Instagram and just in your community growing so much food, mm. like it's it's energizing. Like you want to feel that success that they have as well, really. Yeah, I feel like social media is just – it's so great for inspiration. Yeah. You can just like, yeah, if you're confused or unsure of what to grow, just scrolling on Instagram or, or YouTube. There's, I mean, for anyone who doesn't really go on Instagram or YouTube, there's just so many people sharing their yeah. homesteading and gardening journeys now. Which sometimes so can be overwhelming. I mean, I don't know about you, but I just find that sometimes I'm there just scrolling through so many different creators, just feeling overwhelmed with who I want to watch. Um, Or it could just be this period of time we're in where there's so little that we can actually grow that I find that I keep going back to the old faithfuls, the ones that really started me on this journey um, in the first place and really inspired me. So Mm. people like Justin Rhodes and um, the Hollow Homestead and Roots and Refuge as well. Although I think she was more of like a, once I started actually gardening rather than growing animals I yeah. said what you growing animals saying. yeah I've been saying Raise growing animals. animals a lot rather than raising animals because I'm so used to talking about growing food could you imagine if so, that's how it worked like you yeah. plant in like an egg and you get a chicken yeah but I mean animals grow right when yeah you feed them, I feel like I've had this conversation with Sam and we were just like yeah. which one is considered correct yeah we'll go with raising yeah but yeah but who who inspired you at the beginning of your journey and who still continues to inspire you now yeah well kind of like you like I've been inspired by a lot of people on YouTube and I feel like I did start out with a lot of the American homesteaders so the ones that you mentioned are are over in the U.S. just because they have a a larger 
like population mm-hmm. and it's just such a big community the homesteading yeah. community well, it's established. over there yeah. yeah yeah I mean they have all of like those big conferences and meetups and things like that and it, it's probably easier to find your people I suppose yeah. over there so that was one but I'm also really inspired by some of my family mm-hmm. so on my dad's side um, a lot of my family from Poland and Germany and Uh, A lot of them have a farming background. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know too much about my family, but I do know uh, that a lot of them were farmers and my Oma and Opa Mm -hmm. grew so much of their own food. And I find that really inspirational. So, and because we're living in my Oma and Opa's house. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Do you see elements of their gardening still here? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they've uh, fertilized the the garden quite well. There's been a lot of uh, cow manure that has been put into the backyard. So I'm gardening where they used to garden. And yeah, I just think it it's really special for me to kind of have this connection and feel a little bit more grounded here because we, we moved so much as kids that we could never really, you know, set roots down and grow a proper garden. So I'm glad that I can can do it here. Um, so that's, yeah, another big inspiration as well as just like nature and being outside and, yeah, looking at all of the native plants around about, you know, if I see a, a plant in flower that I really love, I'll take a picture of it and then try and ID it and have that in the garden. That's really so, beautiful because you go on yeah. a lot of nature walks, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I like to when when it's not super wet and muddy. But, uh, yeah, I'm trying to get out and do more of that, increase my fitness a little bit and, uh, yeah, just, just find inspiration there because, I I mean, I love creating habitat for animals and, and, and doing that. So, yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's a really good place to start as a gardener to see what's growing in the area you're in instead of try to reinvent the wheel and plant something into the ground that may not take well. Yeah. <laughs> so let's wind it back to four years ago. You said you started four mm-hmm. years ago. So what did your garden look like? Like how have you shifted and changed as mm-hmm. a gardener to achieve all that you have right now? Like you've got flower gardens growing, you've got your vegetables and so many garden beds. Yeah. But I'm sure that the way you think think about your garden and interact with it now is probably really different from your attitude to your garden four years ago so take me back Robin four years ago four years ago uh not knowing what I'm doing which is hasn't changed really yeah (laughs) self-doubt yeah (laughs) it's always there yeah lots of failure which really is like the only constant in gardening I feel failing every year and learning from it is uh, what I've been doing each year. But yeah, I have felt like each year it's exponentially grown um, from, you know, I had, I started with just maybe like three or four tiny little pots on on the balcony growing herbs. And then the next year I remember getting a veggie pod Mm -hmm. because we had lots of possums around in Brisbane and uh, I needed something to cover everything. So got a veggie pod Uh, and then we moved the next year a little bit further out of the city where we had a backyard and I could start growing like physically in the ground. And uh, that was, yeah, really eye-opening because I had no idea what I was doing. And I have pretty much learned everything just from YouTube. 
That's like, amazing. Yeah, from learning other people what, what they're doing and finding inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's where I learned most. So do you feel like by having more space in your backyard – you could grow more did you feel like the apartment was really holding you back from achieving all that you could yeah I mean I'm I'm kind of in two minds about it like I I feel like it was the natural progression for Mm. for me because I I love living further out I mean right now we're we're living in more suburbia but we have a, a large backyard which satisfies my like need for gardening but yeah, I've always wanted to live out in the country, but I feel like I definitely could have grown more in the city mm-hmm. had I had just stayed there and learnt the same the same things that I know now. Yeah. And because there is so much you can grow in containers and I know so many people who grow so much of their own food in like yeah. wicking beds and raised beds. And yeah, I don't think being in a rental should hold you back at all, really. No, and I, I don't feel like the space is the thing holding people back. I wonder if it's more the city lifestyle, like the hustle Mm. and bustle, like even in the suburbs, you're surrounded by so many opportunities for things that you can do and people that you can see. I think people Mm. underestimate when you live near friends and family, um, you tend to spend weekends out socializing or going to places, eating out. And all of that takes you away from your homestead or your garden. And so one thing that I've personally found about moving further out away from the city and the suburbs is because we have less people to see, um, less things to do, less restaurants to eat. Like there's only Mm. maybe a handful of restaurants we visit. We're more grounded at home. And so we have more time to dedicate to different things at home, like Mm. growing gardens and expanding them and raising animals. So, yeah. I find that maybe it's the lifestyle that could have held you back. Do you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I mean, I, um, I probably wasn't yet around those Mm. kinds of people, but that being said, like if I would have stayed there, I would have joined things like a community garden. That was my next step that I really wanted to join. Uh, And there were just lovely people who worked at the community garden around. So that would be probably like where I would have gone to, to have that more, satisfaction of growing more food because they grow a lot of food in those they community grow so gardens. much food yeah. I'm actually quite surprised with how much like when you walk past them they're just flourishing with vegetables and all kinds of things yeah yeah I'm such an advocate for them as well as like growing on on like the curbside as well mm-hmm. I know in some places you you can't do that but we're slowly changing to be able to you know be able to grow things mm-hmm. and grow food on the curb to you know share with your community and yeah I think a lot of people that I lived around were probably a little bit more aesthetically focused mm-hmm. on terms of what they were growing in their gardens rather than growing for food or yeah. for flat for cut flowers uh, but yeah. vegetables can be really beautiful on their own like mm. you look at silver beet with the colors like when I look at your garden and I see that mm-hmm. it's striking and then the kales in the purple variety yeah like there's a lot of beauty in vegetables as well and I think people underestimate the aesthetic appeal that you can have if you grow vegetables in that way in a more deliberate way I mean there's also the fact that it can feed you and that's pretty amazing 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, something that you can't do, though, is raising animals in the city. I mean, maybe. Some <laughs> On people, the curbside, you just yeah. see someone with a goat. <laughs> well, I feel like I have seen some people who uh, grow, raise quail. <laughs> quail, I think you can do in the city. I've seen yeah. some cool setups of that. They're quite small. You can fit them yeah. into like a little cat carrier. They're yeah. so small. <laughs> yeah. But uh, your decision to raise like chickens and pigs and yeah. sheep – I, I don't know what you're raising sheep for, actually. Yeah, I feel like I've never asked you that. Oh, but really? Yeah. What are your plans for like the next year with animals? You- yeah. So we raise animals as well as gardens because it goes back to that biodiversity. The, yeah. um, by having both, they benefit each other and we're really committed to permaculture and how you can solve problems just by introducing different things that can solve that problem for you as opposed to putting in hard work. So for example, with our garden beds, we wanted to add more nutrition to them um, and improve the soil and to till the garden beds. So we got pigs and our pigs worked not only to create compost for them, for us with their bedding, uh, but they also helped us to till our garden beds, which right now are going into their second season. Um, the manure helped to fertilize the ground. So I think it's pretty obvious what pigs were useful for on our property, as well mm. as to feed us um, high quality, happy meat. Mm. And that to us is really important at the end of the day. Um, chickens, quite an obvious Thing. I think a lot of people consider chickens. I know you've talked about perhaps having chickens, chickens in the future. They're so cute. Yeah. I just love, I, I want to be able to say like, I'm going to go see the girls, feed the girls, yeah. just hang out. <laughs> uh, yeah, one day we'll get chickens. Yeah, they're so great. And they're so funny. Like when you first get your flock, uh, there's just a love that you have for them that is just, yeah, it's really great. Like it's yeah. not even just about um getting them for meat or the eggs like just their personalities are enough to have them yeah. around um but you did say before like your reasoning you you like to follow permaculture principles and mm-hmm. they all work together animals and yeah. growing do you know why like you've decided that is it more of like an, an ethical kind of decision or more environmentally focused or you what wanna, do you mean by that sorry do you want well your decision on on why you follow those kinds of principles mm-hmm. like not everyone gardens like that there's so many yeah. different ways to garden um not everyone follows permaculture principles yeah uh, was there enough. like a a decision or pathway that led you to that? I think it's not so much that I follow it religiously. I think it's more, um, it's something that I do. And then when I'm like, oh, what kind of gardening method is that? I look and it's most closely uh, resembles permaculture, but essentially it's just a way to make gardening easier. Mm. Like at the end of the day, if you want to grow your own food, it's hard work. I mean, you're Mm. getting out there almost every day, especially in summer, watering the garden, tending to to it, adding things to it, harvesting, preserving. Like there's a lot that goes into it. And the more I can make it easy, Mm. but also beneficial in the same way, the easier it is to continue doing this because realistically we want to be growing food into the future. We don't want Mm. to put all our energy and hard work into it one year and then completely forget about it the next year. So Mm. uh, the animals really come into it because they do add in that uh, nutrition or the 
food back into the soil after the season ends. We can also reduce our food bill for the animals by feeding them the garden waste. Um, Our sheep, their droppings are actually really good for the garden as fertilizer because they're not so high in nitrogen and they've Mm. broken down a lot in their four stomachs. So I can literally take their droppings and put them into the garden throughout the growing season Mm, and then be able to fertilize that way throughout. Um, They're also really good lawn mowers. So with all the grass we have, they're just amazing. They solve that problem. Yeah, so it's kind of like closing the loop, really, Yeah, that you want to be and doing. Yeah, we don't have to yeah. go hire a lawnmower. <laughs> we don't have to go hire someone to mow our lawns or be doing it ourselves and take away that time from it. We have animals that essentially are like our workers and yeah. their payment is food and love and I think that's a really special connection that you can have with homesteading animals. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, we'd love to get some ducks in the future as well. We've had a lot of slug and snail pressure, especially mm. with all the rain. So introducing them could be really cool. Yeah. And they're so funny. Yeah. I love ducks. Yeah. So do they eat a lot of the snails and slugs? Yeah. Cause apparently chickens don't eat snails or slugs. Like they just, I guess mm. they leave them. They prefer other bugs, okay. um, while ducks just go crazy for it. So mm. you're better off having them. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, that sounds really awesome. Yeah, I'd love to get chickens or maybe quail. I yeah. don't know. I love quail. I just think they're really cute. And because we aren't on a massive property and a lot of our land is is kind of needed for the flower farm, yeah. I feel like quail could be an interesting addition. So yeah, we'll and see. you could have them in little tractors or something that you can move between your beds when you're ready to, um, you know, set them down for yeah. winter. Yeah. I don't know the right word for that. Like rest them, rest them for the yeah. winter. Yeah, there we just go. have to protect from all of the uh, birds of prey around. I've yeah. seen like so many sea eagles, which is beautiful to see them. But yeah, got to protect from that. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine you with quail, honestly. Yeah, yeah, because crazy quail yeah. lady. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're a sweet little thing. I feel like for us, like people have asked us to get quail and have suggested it, but. For us, I feel like it would be more work to have quail than to have all the big animals that we have. Yeah. But here it would make sense. Like it's manageable. It still produces the compost you need. And yeah. yeah. Another reason we haven't uh, got animals or are raising too many animals is because we don't or I don't eat meat. Mm -hmm. Scott's kind of, you know, on the fence about it. Uh, But I feel like any animal that I do get, I would use them for compost, Mm -hmm. just, you know, their manure and use it for more of an addition to the garden kind of thing, as well as pets, just because, you know, I love some chickens for pets and the eggs are just, uh, you know, an add on. But yeah, yeah, I'm really interested in kind of doing the same as you in terms of closing this loop and rather than buying in a lot of my fertilizers and um, yeah, use them for kind of bug control and things like that. I think it'd be really interesting. But yeah, I'm always at the kind of the ethical question of, and this is just my personal opinion of, of whether or not it's right or not. Um, But I really do respect people raising animals for Mm. their own food if if that's their decision because I think that's it's responsible. And, I mean, I know not everyone can do it, but uh, were were you doing anything before raising animals in terms of 
you know, being on the more sustainability side? Were you buying from farmers or butchers mm. or things like that? Like for people who can't raise animals, yeah. what, what's the next best thing? Yeah, so we frequented often at a farmer's market and we mm. tended to talk to uh, the seasonal growers and they weren't organic farmers. They were more so, although they had organic principles on their farm, they weren't certified so um because they couldn't get the certification like there was too Mm. much paperwork behind it so we were buying from them and really being conscious of the food we were buying um as far as meat goes we bought in bulk so Mm -hmm. we bought the whole animal and then we taught ourselves how to use every single part which i think is really respectful and important when you're eating meat because it is it is a choice to eat meat and it doesn't mean we necessarily need to but if we choose to consume meat we need to be aware of you know not just eating the chicken breast and then yeah. throwing out the rest because where is it really going like yeah, true so sam and i um i grew up in a culture that ate awful and mm. ate every single part of the animal so when i started introducing that to sam like some of the food he was like a bit hesitant to try and just over time you realize that some of the best cuts actually are the most underrated hmm. um and so yeah I, i'm really proud of our decision to grow our own meat but for those that can't because it is a lot of hard work you need a lot of space to be able to move the animals so they have the best food so we rotationally graze our animals which means um, instead of keeping them in one place and stagnant we move them around paddocks to make sure that they have the freshest grass um, they have a good life that way um, and we choose to do that because that's the kind of meat we want to be eating. We want to be eating meat that is happy, healthy, um, and that's important to us. I do know that you eat fish though. Hmm. You eat seafood. So have you ever considered maybe in the future, if would you guys ever get land? Would you ever expand to that point? Yeah. I mean, that's the goal. That's my dream is to have a big plot of land. Um, and like, I would love to buy a little bit more of a degraded piece of property so I can, mm-hmm. you know, um, work on that. But yeah, I mean, we do we do eat fish at the moment. It's mainly from the sea, the the fish that we eat. Which <laughs> where else does it come from? Well, I mean, I it's, like farms. Yeah, yeah. It's not. Uh, it's not more like the freshwater. It's kind from of the fish. jungle. <laughs> it's from the sea. It's from uh, outer space. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm always at this like I don't know battle with myself because I mean I also work in the conservation space and I know how depleted the oceans are and just our whole planet really for for growing um for raising animals yeah growing food for animals just everything really Mm -hmm. you really can't win if you're working through it ethically um but yeah we I mean I would be totally up for um kind of yeah having a lake a small little pond kind yeah, of thing and with trout yeah sam's always talking about how trout's probably the most sustainable fish to grow mm-hmm. i'm not sure why i wish i i should ask him the question <laughs> so i can learn more about it mm. um but yeah having like a little pond and being able to yeah whether you good. have plants or something around that benefit the fish almost like an aquaponic system yeah. um or something and being able to again close that loop 
um, yeah. in the future could be cool. Yeah, like we don't – I don't eat a lot of fish and I think part of it is also like my childhood. Like I grew up eating fish that I caught as well. Like we would oh. go fishing um, quite a lot with with my dad and that was – is a nice childhood memory. So that's also a reason. Um, but, yeah, part of why we don't – or part of why I don't eat meat is more the kind of environmental side of things and the fact that – I can't confidently say that I'm getting my meat from somewhere sourced ethically or grown ethically yeah. and uh, where the feed for that animal has also come from. I'm just not there yet with that kind of research. Maybe I need to look more into it. Yeah. But in terms of yeah, what I um, know about, I, I, I'm not confident yeah. I, and I can't grow my own, raise my own. And I get <laughs> that. Um, yeah. We actually, we switched to lamb a while back. Um, like we de- deterred ourselves away from cattle, so mm-hmm. beef okay. um, and pork for a while while we lived in the suburbs for that exact reason that mm. those types of animals um, take a lot more to feed them and raise them. So with cattle, a lot of the time you've got chemicals going onto the grass to be able to replenish it to the uh, health that you want grass to be in yeah um with pigs as well like i don't even want to go into the conditions that uh meat pigs go in Mm. but we started buying lamb and we started buying free range grass-fed lamb which was on a pasture Mm. so similar to our system right now with our sheep Mm. because the only feed that they get is the grass Okay. And if you move them around on the pastures, if you rotationally graze them and have animals like chickens following the sheep, you're mm. essentially able to replenish the soil back to its health and the grass to its optimum um, nutrition with the mm. chickens and the fertilizer that they put onto the grass. And then the sheep not only act as your lawnmowers, but all they're eating is the grass you have available to them. Mm, that's interesting yeah so that's another big reason why sheep are on our property as opposed to cows yeah dairy cows is something i love cows i think they are the funniest animal in the world like if i had a cow (laughs) if i had a cow i would just stare at it like laughing all day it would be a waste of my time (laughs) yeah they're pretty cute yeah they are but very destructive to the land because i mean they're heavy animals they compact the soil they overgraze if given the possibility to Mm. at the end of the day like the best meat that you can buy is meat that is pasture raised and rotationally grazed because that way the farmer isn't reliant on chemicals to replenish the nutrients the land has enough time to rest before the animal comes through again Mm. um so that's kind of been our inspiration in what we're doing Hmm. Yeah. Do you think though that that would work for the entire population of the world though? To do those systems? Yeah. No, definitely no. not. And I think that's where a connection with your farmer, a connection with mm. um, farmers markets or even just getting in touch with a person in the community can be really beneficial mm. um, because those systems do work and you can have quite a lot of animals, but reducing meat consumption along with that is also really useful so we've delved into every now and again we'll cook a completely vegetarian meal or every now and again we'll get seafood as opposed to eating meat and we have a variety of meat as well so that way we're not just relying on having so much of one animal or Mm. 
um, yeah, or of just eating meat for every meal. As yeah. far as breakfast goes, I think I have really reduced my meat consumption mm. in that way. Yeah, mm. and I suppose that's where like growing vegetables can really like be the hero of the dish and mm-hmm. um, that's for us been what we've been trying to do or working towards it once mm-hmm. we get all of our beds established. Like I would love to just grow more food to yeah. just have, you know, our own potatoes or our own onions so that we're not relying on, you know, where they're from because like me you also don't know a lot of the time what's gone into growing the veggies and what's in the soil and things like that so if we're talking about whys like that's another reason for us to to grow food we eat so many veggies as well so I mean Yeah. yeah I try to cook with tofu and beans a lot of the time but I would love to um like grow lots of beans to have dried and preserve and yeah yeah, try and get that kind of protein into my diet too. Yeah, mm. and I love that. I think that there's also the other side of the argument, like with meat being a really big um, toll on the land, there's a lot of vegetables as well that are grown in polycultures around the world, whether it's for animal feed or for different products that humans eat, like grains can mm. be an example of that, mm-hmm. where – like I do question whether the absence of animals within these systems is really detrimental to the land because essentially we've noticed in our own gardens that having animals is the number one reason that our vegetables are growing so well. Yeah. Like their help and support on our property with the nutrition that they've brought back thanks to their feces and our compost mm-hmm. pile, feeling so happy thanks to them. I wonder if like we just need to start integrating meat and vegetables together, like bringing in those permaculture systems where, you know, they benefit one another as opposed to one growing without the other. Hmm. Um, because, yeah, then you're having to put in more work and hardship trying to get the nutrition back into your soil. And because, hmm. I, I mean, I don't know, can you start a compost pile without animal manure? Well, that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. So we just have a, a lot of our veggie scraps and like sugar cane mulch mm-hmm. and then just, yeah, mix and it all, all up. that's all you need. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a lot of different arguments and I feel like I'm not, um, you know, I'm not an expert on knowing the science behind, you know. Who is? The damage of <laughs> meat versus growing veggies and that's not the point of this podcast. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think – overall as a collective we can do better both with you know how we raise animals and also how we like grow our own food whether it be a little bit more having a polyculture so multiple things growing in one oh, area I've been saying or, the wrong thing I've been saying polyculture oh, really? when I mean oh monoculture monoculture oh, I'm sorry like, this whole time <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about <laughs> I meant the right word I explained it the right way but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's detrimental when you have fields and fields of one Mm. plant variety that just completely depletes the soil of all the nutrition that that plant needs. Um, And a lot of the time it's things like corn or um, there's certain types of beans. Like I'm pretty sure soybeans are really detrimental to soil as well, but I need to research that further. Um, Yeah, I mean, soybeans are mainly grown for animal feed in the world, yeah, rather than 
it's something like two thirds is more grown for animals rather right. than human consumption because it's the main feed for cattle. Yeah, as well. Yeah, cattle. Um, yeah, those cows. Yeah, but there's so many other different like alternative animals and. I was thinking about this other day because I was watching Escape to the Chateau. I don't know if you know that show, but I'm obsessed with it where this British couple just buys a chateau in France Ooh. and starts up. Anyway, side <laughs> point, they're going to markets and they had like snails there mm-hmm. and it's, you know, people just eat snails over there and that's yeah. so not what we do here. But it's actually kind of a sustainable option to get mm-hmm. protein, all of these other different types of like animals that we don't really think about. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I think as a collective we might need to think a little bit more about that. I don't know if you want to be eating snails, but I'm sure there's different ways to cook them (laughs) and other alternatives as well. Just be open to trying something different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's each to their own, but just thought I'd put that out there. No, I like it. I don't think I'll be eating snails anytime soon. but I think we should try. (laughs) Well, I have a student in my class that is French and they went to France um, over the school holidays and, Mm. He says snails are amazing. So if the yeah. kid thinks they're pretty great, they could be the next big thing. Cool. Well, we'll have to go over and try them over there. <laughs> I think uh, you have to grow them a certain like way yeah. as well because um, snails can run over a lot of things. Like if we were to try to grow True. them in our gardens or something, like yeah. they could potentially be going over chemicals or whatever else. Yeah. Maybe not in our gardens, but somewhere Maybe out there. Maybe you could get like snail growing kits for home. <laughs> And everyone could grow their own protein without having to grow soybeans. <laughs> that reminds me of when we were kids. We In Israel, we had snails everywhere, like especially at autumn time. It was my favorite period of time because there was just mm. snails everywhere. Wow. And one day my sister collected so many in a jar oh. and she brought them inside and left the lid off. Oh, dear. Why? <laughs> day by accident like okay, she forgot okay. to put it on just like here you go friends new pets hello and then the next day no snails in oh sight so no clue where they were. yikes <laughs> i'm sorry oh. i just went completely on a tangent we were talking about things that inspire us we've talked yeah. about how our gardens have evolved how do you see your garden evolving again into the future like mm. knowing what you know seeing um what could change in the world and how you could make it better but also how your life could potentially change in the next five years Mm. what do you see in your future yeah I mean probably a year ago I would have said like I'm gonna grow all my own food I'm gonna grow everything and I'm gonna have a massive market style garden Mm -hmm. I'm gonna produce everything but I don't know if I'm I'm there yet I think what I see myself doing and with my garden, like I would really like to continue more inspiring people to grow food and put energy into that as well. Because I really, truly think that if we all grow something or grow a few things, that is so much more of a difference rather than me just growing all my food and hoarding it all in my pantry kind of thing. Um, So yeah, I'd love to kind of create have more of like an educational garden one day when we do you know buy our piece of land I'd love to have that set up and obviously grow what we need but yeah have it more educational based and I mean we do have the flower farm as well which is supporting us more financially um, which we'll definitely go into another episode about kind of the business side of things but yeah I, I don't see myself like 
you know, growing rows and rows and rows of things, just like enough to support us seasonally Mm -hmm. and just enjoy the seasons. Really making, like I'd love to learn more about crop rotation, Mm -hmm. how to care for soil and, yeah, compost and Mm -hmm. things like that. Which you are learning right now with everything that you are doing. Do you think that once children become a reality in your life, that that mindset might change, that the need to grow more might become more mm. evident? Possibly. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. Because uh, that's yeah. the thing, like a lot of the homesteaders or gardeners that I see growing a lot of food who aren't mm. market gardeners are growing it because they have big families with True. five to seven kids. So like realistically, do you need to be growing that much at mm. the moment or – yeah, not really. Yeah. Like I think as long as I can be semi self-sufficient mm-hmm. in things like greens, that's yeah. that's a big thing for me because they really don't travel well uh, in the supermarket. So having them fresh is, is important. But yeah, and we also don't have um, – I don't have like any kind of uh, – what's it called? Preserving equipment mm-hmm. as well. I don't – I have no idea how to preserve things, I feel, other than freezing them. Like, like yeah. yeah. It looks so daunting, doesn't it? I keep it wanting to get into it and then I'm like overwhelmed with everything that could go wrong and the cost behind it all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we just end up freezing a lot of yeah. things, which is it's fine. That's a way of preserving. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I'm not into – I don't – yeah, I don't strive to, to preserve everything that I'm growing I just, I mean, I love eating things fresh as well. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I I'm, I'm, can definitely see my garden expanding, but yeah. I don't think I'll grow like Everything. fields and fields of food. I'd like to ask you this question again in five years and see yeah. if that's changed. Probably be different. Probably <laughs> like the whole garden's of- just food. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like I'm going to need help with that. And yeah. We're not, we're not there yet. To- yeah. To employ someone to help out. But, but wouldn't that one day. be cool? Yeah. yeah. Cool. So that's in your future. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Are you going to continue growing up, raising animals? <laughs> growing, raising animals. Yep. I think we'll continue planting uh, chicken eggs into the ground and oh, yeah, growing cool. more chickens in the future. Yeah. I haven't heard of that variety, but uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think as far as how much we're growing right now, I'm really happy with the size of everything, I feel like we're not growing nearly enough um, compared to how many, how much people do grow, but it's enough to sustain us as we want. We still have to go to the farmer's market or the organic shop and buy our food that we haven't grown, but that's not that big of a deal because we get to, uh, you know, connect with our community and talk to people. Yeah. Um, and there's something really special about connecting with other gardeners and yeah, all that. Um we probably will be having more animals in some way in the future. But I I honestly foresee us continuing to do what we are doing because the idea for us isn't to expand to like this huge commercial size. Like we only need as much as we need and we want to be maintaining our systems in that. Okay. So you don't plan on like creating a farm kind of thing and then selling produce and – no, Me? for us, for us, our goal isn't to be 
farmers or yeah. gardeners that are dedicated to growing something for someone else. I feel like that yeah. adds a lot of pressure and takes away from the passion of gardening. It turns mm. it into a job yeah. more than anything. Um, for us, if we were to make income from our property and our land, it would be more so in workshops and mm. inviting people for community events and those kinds of things. I think that would be just a great way to build connection, community, and um, just enjoy being in the garden. Yeah, cool. Um, so, yeah, but I'm sure we'll talk more about that in future. Exactly. We'll yeah. see how how this evolves. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, I have a few or one more question. We can wrap this up uh, yeah, fairly we're soon. Light. Yeah, but if do you have any really good resources that you'd recommend to people if they're starting out gardening or or homesteading mm-hmm. to get some information from? Yep. Um, I put you on the spot I, here. <laughs> yeah, it's not so much that you put me on the spot. I have a terrible memory, so trying to remember people's names or book names is really hard. Um, but I would say just connect with people in your community, uh, find other gardeners, whether you meet them through farmers markets or you buy animals from them and they let you tour their gardens. Those types of people have been my biggest source of inspiration. They've become my friends over the time um, and have given me lots of tips and not only encouragement, but a lot of the time I'll leave these friends with so much more like wealth of knowledge. And a lot of the time they'll just like throw seeds and seedlings at you. Like there's something really beautiful about those who are so willing to share as much as they can. And um, Mm. that would be my biggest, like go forward with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nice. Yeah. I I agree pretty much like going to food swaps Mm. and uh, plant swaps was where I learned so much just by people People just want to like give their knowledge for free and share knowledge and finding people who are also passionate about growing food is is where you'll find the most information. But I do think there is value in, you know, watching. I mean, I love YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. But but um, you are essentially doing exactly what you've just said. You are the person in the community that people can come to. Mm. But instead of being that person in person, (laughs) you're online. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I've also found the same thing from watching other people. Like I feel like that about Roots and Refuge, who was probably my first like YouTuber that I was obsessed with in terms of what um, Jess was doing. But yeah. And a lot of the permaculture community in Australia, like Hannah Maloney and Maura Gamble. Yeah. Maura Gamble was a really big inspiration to to start out. Um, She just has a wealth of knowledge and a great podcast as well. Oh, I haven't heard her podcast. I'll have to tune into it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, Yeah, they have been great to to learn things at a more manageable scale Mm -hmm. because it's not like farming agriculture yeah. it's like home garden where can you start what can you grow yeah. so yeah that's what we I all th- need a starting point yeah yeah cool well right, I before think we <laughs> go into complete darkness yeah hopefully we can lighten this up a bit if you're watching it on uh youtube but yeah, i think this was good because I, I was super interested to learn a little bit more about you know why you're doing things and yeah the process behind it all and I think it is important to have a why like remember why you're gardening or homesteading so that you can come back to it when it is hard yeah or even remembering where you started and how far you've come because that's pretty incredible too yeah Yeah. awesome 
Thank you so much for listening or watching and make sure if you do like this episode to uh, leave us a review on whatever you're listening on or watching uh, and yeah, give us some feedback over on our Instagram page and YouTube. Yeah, we share some cute photos every now and again and some cute snippets. Everything's yep. cute. Apparently I can't come <laughs> up with another adjective on the spot. <laughs> well, I think it's ridiculous some of the behind the scenes that we got the other day and today. Yeah. No, they've been lots of fun to do though so go check us out on youtube on instagram and yeah we'll hopefully chat to you guys again soon yeah see you next time bye bye